Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, He alone is worthy, amen? Stand with me this morning. I don't know about you, but I'm getting into Christmas spirit after that. I tell you what, that was awesome. It's so good to see you. Uh, you know, a lot of people are not out because of the coronavirus, but we're glad that you braved the, the bug to come today. I want to welcome all those who are watching online, and uh, we're just so grateful for everyone. And uh, it's a very special time of the year, isn't it? We're starting a new series about the first Christmas. Uh, how many of you know there's some details about the first Christmas that is absolutely unique for that day and that time? So we're going to talk about that for the next few weeks until Christmas. Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful that you love us, you care for us, and Lord, we're so blessed to be here. Let your word do what your word does, speak to our hearts, refresh our spirits. We ask it, we pray it in Jesus' holy name, and everybody said, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. Our son Matthew, when he was five years old, was in preschool, and the preschool he was in was having a Christmas program, and, and Matt, you know, he went to the rehearsals, he liked his teacher, he liked preschool, but when it came time for the Christmas program, he didn't want to go. We couldn't figure out why he didn't want to be a part of the Christmas program after he had practiced and, and all of the things that he went through up until that time. And so we found out that there was one song that they were singing that Matt did not want to sing. And it was, uh, we wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Uh, good tidings we bring to you and your kin, we wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. But the rest of the line goes like this. Now bring us some figgy pudding, now bring us some figgy pudding, now bring us some figgy pudding, Bring us some figgy pudding right now. And then later on it says, for we all like our figgy pudding, and it goes on like that. So we, we found out he didn't want to sing the figgy pudding song. So it took us a little investigation. Matt, why don't you want to go? He said, it's that dumb song. We said, what song? He said, we wish you a Merry Christmas. And I said, what's wrong with the song? He said, well, it's that figgy pudding part. And I said, Matt, do you know what figgy pudding is? He says, no, I don't know what it is, but I don't want to sing it. You know, Christmas is a lot like that. People know there's Christmas. They don't know what it means. They, they, they're really not into it much. And uh, some commentator said we, we sing white Christmas and let it snow, let it snow, and Frosty the snowman, and uh, baby, it's cold outside. We sing more about the weather than we do the Savior. And this is about the Savior. And we need to realize that. So when Jesus came the first time as uh, the Son of Man, we know he came into a very troubled world. It was not only something going out uh, externally, but people were troubled internally. Isaiah gave us the insight of that. It's Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. So the people, at the time Jesus was birthed, they were oppressed, they were afraid, they had very little hope. The Romans had them subservient, they controlled their land, they had no really uh, 
speaking ability to uh, oppose them or rise against them. Their religious leaders were corrupt. Jesus, you know, showed that. Much of their assets were very heavily taxed. And their vision, their outlook for the future was very dim. They, they seemed to have no hope. And all of a sudden, some marvelous things begin to happen in a very dark time. Aren't you glad God can show up in your life and my life in dark days? And that's exactly what happened the first Christmas. So here they are, oppressed by the Romans, taxed heavily, no, no vision for the future. Then all of a sudden, there's an older priest who left his tiny village to come to Jerusalem to take his course or his turn to serve in the priesthood. He's by the altar of incense. He's somewhere probably in his 60s, I would assume. And then all of a sudden, the angel Gabriel shows up. Now, I don't know about you, but the Bible says that we have entertained angels unaware. But if one popped up in front of me, I don't know. What about you? Would it be a little out of the ordinary for you? Maybe shocking, maybe fearful. And so we have this older man by the name of Zechariah. And Luke tells the story, verse 12, chapter 1. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, the angel. And fear fell upon him, but the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah. And then later on, Gabriel appears to Mary the virgin, verse 28, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what kind of greeting, what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. I mean, there, there's a theme here. And then in Matthew 1:20 to Joseph, now Joseph is engaged to or betrothed to Mary to have her as his wife. Now, here's the problem. <laughs> it would be a huge problem. You're engaged to someone, but before the wedding, and you've never had intimate relationships with them, she comes up pregnant. How many of you know that would be a problem? Uh, I deserve a better amen than that. That would be a huge problem to be engaged to someone, and then they turn up pregnant. So I believe it would take an angel to show up, to convince me, and this is the words, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And then later on, the shepherds in the field, Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and the same re region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. They were filled with great fear, and the angel said to them, Fear not. H have you seen the, the theme there? Don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, fear not, fear not, fear not. Listen, there's a great deal of fear right when Jesus came. And not only when Jesus came, how do you know there's still a great deal of fear today? Listen, we, we, we see this, you know, thematic at the time of that first Christmas. So let me give you four observations very quickly this morning. Number one, this was a time of fear. And these people didn't see the vision. They didn't see the hope. A lot of evil was going on in the land. The religious system is corrupt. Romans are there. And the angel comes to diminish that fear with Zacharias, with Mary, with Joseph, with the shepherds. Don't be afraid. And sometimes in our life, it's not much different. You have fear, and, and I have fear that creeps into our life. Uh, COVID-19, that's kind of scary. This week, we had one of our hospital workers uh, die in her 40s uh, right here in the midst of us. And 
uh, what's going on because of the recent election. No one knows what's going to be in the future. Uh, economy issues, businesses shut down, loss of income, jobs are, you know, up in the air. Our schools look a lot different this year than ever before, right? So a lot of uncertainty, a lot of fear. And so we live in that time, different from maybe the first Christmas, but fear never leaves the planet Earth, right? In 2020, the, per, the, the Pew Research Council, they did a poll among Americans, and they listed the greatest fears that we have today. Guess what was number one? Infectious diseases. <laughs> Duh. Number one, the greatest fear in America today is infectious diseases. Uh, number two, cyber attacks from other countries, terrorism, spread of nuclear weapons, global warming, poverty, the economy. So our world, in many ways, is going through that transition of fear to fear to fear to fear. In 1947, there was a group called the Chicago Scientists that developed a clock. Maybe you've heard of this. Have you ever heard of the doomsday clock? Doomsday clock. So after the nuclear bombings of Japan, they decided the world now is totally different. That we can destroy a great amount of human life in the matter of moments. And so they developed this clock called the Doomsday Clock. So they set it at seven minutes before midnight. But in January of this year, let me tell you how close the Doomsday Clock is to 12 midnight. It's 100 seconds away. Did you know that? 100 seconds away from doomsday, and they set it up because of the nuclear tensions between North Korea and the rest of the world, China, terrorism, the invading China virus or COVID-19. So how many of you know we're always moving toward a destiny sometimes we don't like? So they developed this clock to say the world is very unstable. And in that unstable world, fear tends to creep into our world. And uh, wherever there's constant fear, there's the lack of faith. So in that constant fear, you and I need to really gird up with some faith and some truth and believe that God is in control. And in the middle of a dark day, God can interject himself into our world, into our darkness, and change everything. And that's what God does. And listen, we've all been afraid. You shouldn't live in fear, but we've all been afraid. So that's why we should not live in fear. But Jesus came to a dark, fearful world, and he changed it forever. And he can change your life forever. And maybe you're here today and you say, listen, Pastor, you don't know what's going on in my life. I have this going on, and I'm in fear of this and that. Let me tell you, Jesus can change your life. Because that's what he does. Another observation about that first Christmas is it was announced. Say that with me. It was announced. So the Lord announced his coming. The first prophecy in your Bible is found in the book of Genesis. It's chapter 3, verse 15. The Lord is speaking to the serpent, or Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring or your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So what's interesting about that prophetic word is the Lord, the first prophecy is saying, there's somebody coming. He is going to take care of you, Satan. He is going to crush your head. But what's unusual is he said it's the offspring of the woman or the seed of the woman. 
Now, what's unusual about that is the woman doesn't have the seed. How do you know the man carries the seed? But in this birth, with this offspring, it's going to be a supernatural birth. Amen? And, and it goes on. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you're little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from old, from everlasting. And then it goes on, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, something you're very familiar with. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. You know what's happening? God is saying, let me announce something to you. I'm coming. I want to announce that there's something on the way to this dark, fearful world. <laughs> We're familiar with announcements, right? We have wedding announcements, birth announcements, graduation announcements, new stores opening, we announce that. We have public service announcements on your television to tell us uh, all kinds of things. Uh, McGruff, the crime dog, let's take a bite out of crime. And then there was uh, Nancy Reagan's, let's just say no to drugs. And then there was Vince and Larry, the crash dummies, buckle up for safety, buckle up. How many of you remember those? But the most famous of all, not Rudolph, but Smokey the Bear, only you can prevent forest fires, right? So we, we have those announcements. We hear them all the time. But God did an announcement. He said, this is coming, and he announced his coming through the prophets. Listen to this. This is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7. Then I said, behold, I have come. It is written about me in the volume of the book. That's the book right there. That's the book. And this is what the Lord's saying. I'm coming, and it's written in the book that I'm on my way, and I am giving you an announcement that I am on my way. How many you know that's just good news? But one of the most important aspects about that first Christmas is not only that he announced it, but who's coming? Who was the one who came the first Christmas who showed up on that first Christmas day? A lot of debate, a lot of challenges. Isaiah gave us the answer 700 years before Bethlehem. We read it, 714. You know what Isaiah said? He said, the one who's coming is Emmanuel. Say that with me, Emmanuel. Let's all say it together, Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us. That's who's coming. God is going to come among us and walk with us. Colossians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul addresses this. Listen as he is speaking to the church. Verse 15, who is the image, he's talking about Jesus, of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in the earth, visible, invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers, all things were created by him and for him. This was not an ordinary baby. This is not a natural birth. You say, Pastor, what do you mean it's not a natural birth? <laughs> it's not a natural birth. How many of you know this is a supernatural birth? Never before in human history has a virgin 
ever give birth to a baby. But yet the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and she's conceived of a child of the Holy Spirit. Joseph didn't have anything to do with that birth. Other births he did, but not that one. It is a supernatural birth. In John chapter 1, verse 1, John addresses this. He says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. That, that's what John said. You know, this is one of the hottest debated issues of our time today. Who is Jesus? Is he just a prophet, a teacher, a good man? Is he just a historical figure? Is he a Jewish rabbi that had supernatural abilities? He could work miracles? Well, you know, not only today are people asking that question, even in Jesus' time they asked that question. Because in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asked his own disciples, Who do men say that I am? Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say Elijah, you're one of the prophets. And uh, how many know that wasn't the right answer? He looked at them and said, now, who do you say that I am? Then Peter, Peter spoke up. He said, thou art the Christ, you are the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven has revealed to you. Listen, if we don't see Jesus as he really is, we're missing the point here. We, we, we got to see who he is. Second John chapter 2 uh, even in the days of the apostles, this debate is still going on. How, how many of you know this debate is still going on today? I mean, as I stand here and as you sit there, this debate is still going on. L listen to verse number 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. You know, we're not just waiting for the Antichrist to come. The Antichrist spirit was already in the world when John was here. And he says, some don't say that Jesus came in the flesh. What would you do and what would the results be? And I did this this morning early. And I asked the question to Google. Anybody ever Google questions? Okay, here's the question. Was Jesus God? So I type it into Google. You know how many responses I got? 7,118,000 responses. 7,18,000,000. So just that one little brief question, three words, there were 7,018,000 responses, was Jesus God? Now let me tell you, I don't have to look to Google to see who Jesus is. I can just look to the Word of God, and I can look up the Scriptures we've already referred to, and the Bible says that He is the image of the invisible God. And then when Thomas says, if you would show us the Father, Jesus said, have I been with you this long, and you don't even know who I am? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How many of you know John 4.24 says God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth and the Son of God came to reveal who God really is. The other day we kind of got into this uh, line of uh, thinking and it was Tanner who's up in the media booth this morning and 
He said some people say, well, you know, Jesus thought this and the God of the Old Testament thought this and, and Jesus said this and the God of the Old Testament said this and Tanner said, listen, if they ain't the same, we're all in trouble. If they're not thinking the same thing, if it's not the same theology, we're in big trouble. And I thought, you know, that is so true. So we have to realize who is the one who was born in that manger that first Christmas. You see, the person and the purpose of Jesus is amazing. Not only is he the Son of God, he's God revealed in the flesh, and therefore we have to say he is deity. He's not just a teacher. He's not just a prophet. He is divine. He is deity. And let me give you a defining verse for me. It's found in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 46, verse 6. This is the God of the Old Testament speaking. I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. And then Jesus comes along in Revelation, and guess what he says? I am the first and I am the last. Well, well, you know what it tells me? Jesus is divine. And I think you need to believe that. And if you don't believe that, we'd love to pray for you this morning. Because you and I need a divine Savior. And he is the divine Savior. I recently read about an elementary school and the little small kids wanted to do a Christmas play. And the teacher, with our politically correct atmosphere today, she said, kids, you know, I can't tell you to have a Christmas play. I can't lead you in a religious Christmas play. But you have the right, if you want to do one on your own, you certainly can. And the kids said, sure, we'll, we'll put one on. Well, out come the bathrobes. How many of you know where we're going with this? We're going to have some shepherds, and we're going to have a Mary. We're going to have a Joseph. We're going to have some angels. I was reading one uh, little article, and uh, the angels were all dressed up. The little girls, they were going to be angels. And, and one of the, all the, the adults said, well, you know, it's your cue to come in. And the little girl said, do you want me to fly down or do you want me to walk? How many of you know she's in character? So there's angels, there's shepherds, there, there's Mary, there's Joseph. But one little boy dressed up like a doctor. And he had the scrubs on, he had the stethoscope around his, uh, around his neck. And there was a point when Jesus was born, he came out to make an announcement. And you know, doctors, they announce the sex of the baby. So he came out, but his announcement, and his was, it's God. I thought, what a great announcement. Not the sex, not a boy, not a girl, it's God. And guess what? That's pretty good theology. So we have to understand who was born that first Christmas. Now, now here's the fourth thing. The fourth observation about Christmas, that first Christmas, it was unexpected. You said, no, wait a minute, Pastor. You said it was announced. It was announced, but yet unexpected. Do you think about that? It was announced, but yet it was unexpected. I don't think Zechariah thought that day when he was offering the incense at the altar, I don't think he was expecting the angel Gabriel to show up next to him and say, Zechariah, Zechariah, you and Elizabeth are going to have a baby. He's going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. Zechariah said, there's no way, Jose, I mean, Gabriel. 
we're old. We've been trying to have a baby all of our marriage. He said, you're going to have a baby. You're going to name him John. He's going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. I, I don't think Mary expected that day for Gabriel to show up and say, Hey, highly favored, you're fixing to have a baby. And she said, oh, wait, there's no way I can have a baby. I've never been with a man. With God, all things are possible. Joseph didn't expect the angels to show up in the dream. The shepherds didn't expect the heavens to be filled with the glory of God, saying, glory to God, peace on earth. No one expected those things to happen, but they did. They were announced but they were still unexpected. You know, today, if we don't watch it, we'll uh, fall into the same trap. Uh, Herod wasn't expecting the wise men to show up in Jerusalem. Uh, he wasn't expecting that. Those wise men showed up and say, could you give us directions to the king of the Jews? And Herod's saying, I am the king of the Jews. Why, are you looking for the king of the Jews? I'm it. Oh, no, you're not. We're looking for the real king of the Jews. He wasn't expecting that. The religious leaders weren't expecting it. They weren't expecting the Christ child to show up. No one in this story was expecting these events to happen, even though they were all announced. Let me tell you, if the innkeeper knew... <laughs> That Mary and Joseph, the ones who came to the door looking for a room, if, they, if, if he knew what was going to happen, how many of you know he would have moved somebody out of the inn? I was looking this up, and every once in a while, uh, there are some hotels and chains that they will run Christmas specials. And if you are married and your name is Mary and Joseph, they will give you your room free. That's, that's true. They're thinking, well, our hotel chain messed up once. Let's not mess up again, right? If he had known, he would have done something different. Jesus' first appearing was unexpected. And I'm convinced his second coming, for most people, just like this, it's going to be unexpected. In 1912, it was April, the largest ship was being launched and put into service by the White Star Line. And it was a huge event all over the world, people talking about it. And over 2,000 people signed up for that maiden voyage. And... There are all types of people on that ship. Uh, you, you had three classes you could buy for passage. You could be first class. You could be second class. You would be third class. And so there were people in all classes, first class, second class, third class. And there were royalty on the, uh, the ship, people who had titles. There were people who were multimillionaires. John Jacob Astor was on that ship. The uh, owner of Macy's was on that ship. There were people who were architects and doctors and lawyers, tennis players. There were all types of people on that ship, people who weren't wealthy. There were people who were, uh, you might call them common, but they had enough money to get passage in third class. There was the captain, there was the crew, there were the servants, the waiters, the, the, the people who stoked the engines. There, there was all type of people on that ship. 
But on April the 14th, as they were voyaging to America off the coast of Newfoundland, that ship hit an iceberg. And about 11.40 that night, when that ship hit the iceberg, the Titanic began to sink. And a little after 2 o'clock, the morning of the next day, April the 15th, the Titanic went to the bottom of the ocean. And when it sank, listen closely, there were only two classes of people on that ship, the saved and the lost. Didn't make any difference if you had a royalty title or if you were a multimillionaire or an architect, a doctor, a lawyer, or you were waiting tables. There was only two classes of people on that ship. The saved and the lost. And when Jesus Christ comes again, there will only be two types of people. The saved and the lost. Makes no difference how much money you have, education, title, position. You'll either be in the saved or you'll be in the lost. And here is the unique aspect of this. Just like he announced his first coming, he's already announced his second coming. If you've been in the church for very long, you know there is a plethora of verses and scripture that says Jesus Christ is coming again. And you and I need to be ready. We need to greet him. And the Bible even says we need to say, Maranatha, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Because our world is much like that first world, much like the days of Noah when he came, and he's coming. But the good news is he's coming into a fearful world to bring peace, and love, and harmony. There was a Christmas program, and the kids couldn't do the religious, the spiritual, and so they had the program, and there was one part of the Christmas program. The kids had little posters, and each one had a letter. And the letter was supposed to spell Christmas love. Christmas love. So the kids got all ready. They, they, they have their little posters, and each one, one has a C, one has an H, one has an R. You get the picture. They're going to line up on the stage, and it's going to spell Christmas love. But the little girl who has the M of Christmas, had hers upside down. And so when they went out on the platform, the sign read, Christ was love. Maybe that's not an accident. Because not only was Christ love, he's love right now. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son into the world. How was he sent? Bethlehem, over 2,000 years ago, a little town, not regarded, small, but there in the city of bread, which what Bethlehem means, the city of bread, the true bread from heaven came down. Where better to be born than the city of bread? As a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Some of us have been in Bethlehem. Matter of fact, we've been there twice in one week. And uh, it's controlled by the Muslims, but there they give homage and testimony to that little town where Christ was born. We don't know exactly where he was born, but we know it was in Bethlehem. 
And I remember the night that we left Bethlehem, we thought we were going to be stoned. Because the vehicle we were in, uh, you know, you don't want to be a group of Christians in a Muslim place after dark. And so there was some gathering up and we got out, made it fine. But I want to tell you, even in the city where Christ was born, there's a lot of contention, fear, and animosity. And I'd like to say, well, it was different back when he was born. No, it wasn't. Kind of like the world we live in today. Just as they needed a Savior over 2,000 years ago, my friends, we need one today. You need one today. I need one today. Why? Because I'm imperfect, I'm a sinner, and without him, there's no way I could be saved. But without him, I mean, you know, I'm going to heaven. So are you. But without him, you're only going to be in two groups like the Titanic. You're going to be the saved, you're going to be the lost. And can I tell you something? There were more lost on the Titanic than there was saved. They went to a watery grave, never to rise again. So today we need to kind of think about that first Christmas, that unexpected event for most of those people. And we don't want a second coming to be an unexpected event for you. We want you to be ready to make heaven. Why don't you bow your head with me today? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.